James Batchelor and you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm joined this week by Simon Smith of Thumb Food. Thank you very much for joining us, Simon. Hi, James. Nice to talk to you. For those who may not have come across your company before, could you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and about Thumb Food and about what you guys do? Okay, so I've been in the games industry now for quite a long time. Started in 1999 working at Codemasters, worked on Colin McRae 2 and Operation Flashpoint. And then I spent uh, five years at Blitz Games, where I did a lot of kids and family games. So everything from Barbie to SpongeBob to Fairly Odd Parents. Um, it was a pretty good time. Managed to do lots of fun stuff. We did mainly family games, and then the odd thing like uh, Reservoir Dogs, which was fun because at one point I was making Barbie and Reservoir Dogs at the same time. So that was interesting. <laughs> that's quite, yeah, that's quite the combination. <laughs> I was li- at one point I was literally designing levels for Barbie and designing the game design for Reservoir Dogs on the same computer at the same time. So you had to be careful what you wrote in which document. I really, really wish there'd been some crossover there. <laughs> that'd be inter- yeah, that'd be an interesting mashup, wouldn't it, um, of those two games. So yeah, so I did a few years at Blitz, then I worked at Sony and I was one of the producers on the Buzz series, uh, so Buzz Pop, Buzz PS3, Buzz Hollywood, so we did a lot of sort of licensing stuff and mass market quiz games, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and that was a few years ago I worked at Sony and now I've ended up having formed my own company Thumb Food uh, we did, we've done a few work for hire projects we did some games for Manchester City Football Club and um, basically expanded from there and now really sort of got a great opportunity working with Sony to make a Playlink game for this year's sort of range of Playlink games and part of the deal was really that we, um, was, you know, we self-publish it. That's that's how it works. And um, so I decided that I really wanted to take the plunge and make Thumb Food into a company, more than just a production company, and become a fully-fledged publisher as well. And my concept is to really specialise in family and kids' games because I don't think there's a lot of people specialising in that market and as we move into sort of the, what should we call it, um, to borrow a phrase from the Pet Shop Boys, the, the imperial phrase of the uh, imperial phase of the PlayStation, where it's uh, you know sold a lot of units and um, a lot of the mass market starting to get into it, and we'll probably see price reductions coming along and get even more mass market. So we need those sort of kids family games. You know, nice, easy pick-up-and-play games for all the family that that you need when people, you know, when everyone's buying PlayStations. Uh, and so we're hoping to take advantage of that market. And our first game, Word Hunters, is out in November. Nice. And I, I played Word Hunters briefly with you at um, E3. Am I allowed to say that? Or was that? I know we were behind closed doors, but am I allowed to say I played it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's fine. Enough. It's my it's my game. It's your my game. game. Yeah, yeah. It's my game. Sony, you know, Sony uh, 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 supporting the development. Uh, it's my game. I own the IP, and um, we are publishing it uh, in a, on a self publishing basis. Um, and I could say becoming a fully fledged publisher. So yeah, so uh, yeah, it was fun to see you at E3. You had a bit of a sit down on the Playlink sofas, um, and we yeah, it was a it was a good E3. We were behind closed doors. The game's not been in development for very long, um, but it holds up pretty well. I think um, we're just in that stage now where we're doing all the 
all the slog work of slog, pardon me, all the slogging of um, testing and localization and getting marketing assets together and stuff like that. So it's not the sort of fun creative stuff that you do at the start and middle, but it's all important, obviously, to make as solid a game as possible. And myself and my development team are also very highly experienced. We've done games for Sony, we've done games for different consoles. So we've really got that sort of mentality where everything has to be as sort of A, as high quality as possible, and B, really understandable for that mass market PlayStation audience. See, I found it interesting because, I, I, like I say, I played um, Word Hunts with you. It was a good, fun game. It's definitely something I can see playing with my family. But then I'm, I'm lucky in that I have, I have a, a family, certainly like my in-laws. We all kind of get together and, and play games together for a day every every couple of months. But I found it interesting that you're kind of building a business around that type of game. And as you say, specialising in kids and family games. Because And, and to quote your email, um, the family games market needs a kick up the arse. Um, I mean... <laughs> Why? Why? Why do you think? Why do you believe that? I, I, I have my own theories as to why why the family games market is is so so quiet at the moment. Like, why? Why do you think it, it needs a, a kick up of the arse? And, and can that actually be accomplished? Well, the first thing I've already referred to in the fact that we're getting into that stage of the console life cycle where more mass market people are buying the hardware. So, you know, we, they've sold over 80 million PlayStation 4s. They've sold 40 million Xboxes, uh, Xbox Ones, 5 million and counting Switches. And also, you know, obviously we've got the the mobile market as well. But really I'm, looking, I'm concentrating on console and hopefully doing a bit of mobile in the future. But we need to feed that market. You know, Sony, you know, Sony keep going on about how, how are they going to get to 100 million units? And, you know, they've done really well with selling consoles to people that like games and the market's expanded. I think if you look at, you know, if you add up this generation, must be must be one of the best selling generations of hardware ever. If you add all those PlayStation 4s, Xbox Ones and Switches together, it's a mass, you know, you know, Xbox One's done 40 million units. That's a very good amount of console sales. Um, just the PlayStation 4 has done crazy well. So, yeah, how do you get from 80 million PlayStation 4s to 100 million PlayStation 4s? You've really got to hit that mass market. Um, and and people want the more mass market games. You know, we're really, we're really satisfied for indie games. We're really satisfied for shooting games. We're really satisfied for online multiplayer games. You know, a lot of people will just play, play Fortnite and, and don't need any other games or FIFA. You know, some people just buy consoles to play FIFA on. So how are we going to attract that extra, you know, 20 million plus gamers? We need to do something different. We need to do something that maybe you play a lot more casually. Like you say, maybe you play at family games night. Maybe you just play Word Hunters on Christmas Day. It's, you know, I'm perfectly happy with people buying the PlayLink games and, and Word Hunters and just, you know, playing them a few times on Christmas Day. It's like, you know, your parents buying you a copy of Monopoly and sitting down after Christmas lunch. That's what we always used to do as a family, but the digital version of it. Yeah. And that's the thing, as you say about you know, the, the sales of PlayStation 4 in particular, like all of the, the biggest selling consoles in history, so the Wii, the DS, the PS2, all of them passed 100 million because they reached that mass market, because they had families playing it. And as you say, because they had people playing games just occasionally you know like the most how many Wii's just got dusted off for Wii Sports at Christmas and then didn't really get played much and obviously like that that success though that then 
begat a, a bunch of other publishers then producing family games, particularly on the Wii and the DS. Like the amount of people producing similar games to Nintendo or similar games to um, Ubisoft or THQ, whoever, just trying to get the, that family audience. The problem is a lot of those publishers then didn't reap the benefits of that because those people, you know, the, the, the audience they were targeting, as you said, already had the game that they wanted and then weren't interested in buying more games. I think that, um, yeah, I think that you have to be careful not to over-expand. And I think people did some... I mean, if you look at some of the games that got released, you know, people were buying licenses left, right and centre. They were releasing too many games. Some companies were just releasing too many games. And I think that people... You have to understand that people want... And I think particularly the mass market, people want less but high quality games because they are they are going to buy less games. They're not into games; they're just using it as a fun, as a fun thing. I mean, think, compare it to how many board games you have in your house. If you're into board games, you might have a hundred board games. But if you're just a family that wants to play Scrabble and Monopoly occasionally, you might have five games. Uh, and I think that's quite similar to the console market as well. I mean, one one thing that's really interesting with certainly the PlayStation Two generation. And like you've already mentioned, Wii and Wii Sports. I mean, I mean, obviously, I've got experience of PlayStation Two and Buzz. Sony did packs where you got uh, PlayStation Two and Buzz, and people would just buy that just because they wanted to play Buzz. And when it got down to sort of like the hundred and fifty quid um, sweet spots um, with a copy of Buzz and four controllers, people would just buy that and 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 have it as as a toy, like with Wii and the Wii Sports. So I think you have to be careful not to flood the market with too many games, um, and they have to be of a high quality. But that, I mean, that's what I'm all about, really. I want to make games that are of high quality and not not put too many of them out. That's the thing, I guess. It, it comes down to the platform holders, and and as you say, those those kind of bundles. Because like, yeah, you had like the Buzz bundles, or you know, I, my my sister picked up the SingStar bundle, and then you could then just buy lots of different SingStar releases because this is some of the most successful family games, or at least the the most successful games that have gone mass market, haven't just been one game, but they've been one concept that could then be expanded. So SingStar, you had different albums, for for want of a better word, like, you know, different discs with different songs. Same with Guitar Hero. Same with you know, iToy had different games. Like it was just this this series of games all built around one concept. And I guess we haven't quite seen that level of concept since. Well, I think Sony are doing that now with PlayLink, but PlayLink is the brand as opposed to an individual game. So they're all sort of within that umbrella. So they mm. so they did Knowledge's Power last year, which is a quiz game with the PlayLink brand. And that's been really successful, and you know they've already announced that Knowledge is Power Decades is coming out this year. Um, you know they did other games that were successful. They've got more PlayLink games coming out this year. I think if you think uh, as PlayLink as the brand rather than say Buzz or SingStar, that makes sense. I mean, what was really interesting? I sound like a place. I sound like a PlayLink advert now, but I'm making a game for it. Um, I spoke to a few people recently, and the PlayLink actually really makes a lot of sense for the family perspective because, like our game, is six player. Most of the PlayLink games are six player, um, and if you think about how much that would cost to buy an extra five PlayStation controllers, they're fifty pounds each. So if you wanted to play six player on one PlayStation with controllers, that's an extra two hundred and fifty quid. Um, on top of the £250 for your console. So people aren't going to spend that much on controllers. They're just going to 
they're just going to play something else. So I think Sony's been very clever to do this because everyone's got a mobile. Even you know, twelve-year-old nephew's got a mobile um, and can download and play the games. See, but then this brings up two issues. So, like, one is the fact that yeah, everyone's already got a mobile, but that's where the family and kids games are at the moment. You know, if if, if you know every if your nephew's got a mobile phone, why is he going to want a, a console and a dedicated game for it that that uses his mobile when he can just download a bunch of free to play apps and get sucked into the loot box wormhole? Do <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? Though, like, the, yeah. the, the kids market, and this is why like Nintendo kind of suffered. Um, particularly in the previous the previous generation because that core audience that younger younger audience the family audience that they typically built their fortune on shifted to mobile because there you go you have this this ubiquitous device that you already use doesn't require another purchase i guess yeah i mean and that's why you know a lot of the family companies like uh, the companies that are concentrating on making family games in the last generation or the last couple of generations, like Blitz and in Eurocom in the UK, and uh, you know Avalanche were doing that in uh, in America, and all these sort of different companies making license games. That's why a lot of them disappeared because that market switched to mobile, and those companies didn't switch to mobile. Um, but I think with console, you have to well, you have to do two things. One, you have to um, do something that's really high quality, and then also you have to offer something that's different. So we're offering a, an opportunity where people can play a multiplayer game. It's couch play multiplayer and mobiles. A few there's a few mobile multiplayer games. I mean, Heads Up is a perfect example. There's not a massive amount of uh, games where people are sort of playing in the room on their mobile phones. I mean, my game would work on Apple TV, um, and I, but I don't find you know anecdotally I don't find a lot of people connecting their Apple TV to their mobiles and connecting it to their telly. I think it's more likely that people are going to do that with a PlayStation. And yeah, yeah I mean, they've do, been doing that already. You know, they, they have sold quite a few. And also you've got the power of that PlayStation brand behind it that's, uh, that's getting there. So I think PlayLink's pretty good. Um, it's getting the stuff that's, what you know, what comes next? What's the next game that we do? And it's about creating that brand that's hopefully synonymous with quality family entertainment um, and not diluting it with anything else. So if you look at something, it's quite interesting, if you look at something like uh, THQ, like the, the original THQ, on the one hand they were doing loads of family games and Nickelodeon licenses and stuff like that and doing really well out of it. But then on the other hand they were doing shooting games and I always found that a bit confusing um, and they kept that under one brand and I think that I think with publishers these days that you need you know if you want to start a new publisher you don't have millions of pounds to spend on it I think you need a niche and that niche can be a big niche but you need to um, say well this is what we're about I think you know obviously everyone knows about Devolver and Devolver a fantastic example of that you know what you're getting if you get a Devolver game Um, you know it's going to be you know, a certain type of game. And I want to do that with some food and, you know, I'd be quite happy if I was the devolver of family games. Sounds like a strange, <laughs> strange thing to say. But, uh, you know, you know, you look at that logo on the box and you know that the game's not going to be violent. You know, with, with my company, sorry, not with Devolver. You know with um, Thumb Food that the game's not going to be violent. It's going to be something that your, you know, under 10-year-old can 
play happily. It's going to be high quality. It's going to be simple enough to get into. Uh, and I think people in this world where, you know, we talk about discovery a lot and how it's quite hard to find new games. I think people like the comfort of a brand that they know the sort of thing that they're getting. I think that's why something like Devolver works and, and, and some of the other companies. I find I find some companies that are doing, you know, like a kid's game and a shooting game, I, I, find, I think that's confusing for people. Yeah. It almost becomes, a, your publisher brand, I guess, almost becomes a kind of a seal of quality, as it were, or a, a, as you said, like kind of an indicator as, as to what you're going to get. It's interesting, we're, st- we're starting to see some of the, like I said, like the licensed properties come back. Um, Nickelodeon certainly seems to be ramping up in games again, like we've got that Nickelodeon Kart Racers game coming. I swear I read that an old SpongeBob game is getting remastered. Um, <laughs> hopefully, Bandicoot, hopefully ours. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, Crash Bandicoot has done well. You know, it's done really well. Spyro, people are looking forward to. Like, and, and I know those are still kind of not core games, but like they they appeal to a traditional gaming audience. But they also do appeal to a, a more mass market family type of, of game. Yeah, so, yeah. Don't you think that? So I've been thinking about Crash Bandicoot and Spyro quite a bit along these lines. And don't you think that? Well, I think that Crash Bandicoot, on the one hand, you're getting people buying it for nostalgic reasons. So you're getting that sort of millennial, post-millennial generation that are going, oh yeah, you know, I played Crash Bandicoot when I was a kid and all that kind of stuff, which is great. You know, we've got loads of remasters and stuff like that. But do you really become, you know, like Crash Bandicoot's been number one for the last six weeks. Do you become, you know, can you become number one for so long just on the nostalgia market, which I think is a, a subset of people that own consoles? I, th- yeah. I think that one of the reasons that Crash and Spyro, you know, Spyro's not out yet, but Cra- one of the reasons that Crash has been the Crash remasters has been so successful is that it's filling a gap in the market that is under under fulfilled so you know high quality family slash kids games you know really we've only really you know the last few years the big games we've had lego completely dominating the market and we've had minecraft and there's not been much outside of that so when something like Crash comes along, it's a rec- you know the parents recognise it as a brand, so they're going, oh brilliant, love Crash. When I was a kid, let's buy it for my kids as well because I mean it's seriously if you go into a game shop, uh, and remember most family games are bought on disc, not on download. You mm. go if you go into a game, for example, um, there's just not that much stuff. It, it's you know it's still a lot of core gamer stuff, and I think. Now, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed with me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be riding that that market, um, and uh, yeah, I just think it's been, I just think it's been neglected, and I think Crash being number one for six weeks is a really good indicator of that. It's why I'm also always pleased to see kind of indie games getting a, a box release because, like, there are plenty of indies out there who are trying to fill that void, who are trying to build games based on or or that pay homage to past games you know like i'm thinking of things like a hat in time which is like that new mario-ish style game but they're all available digital digitally and as you say like games for families games for people who aren't aren't regularly connected to the the gaming industry they you know they see them on shelves in tesco's and game and hmv and that's where they're getting their games and if the indie games aren't on shelves they're not going to be able to find them so yeah i mean i think you know, there's not many indie games that are overtly aimed at families and kids. Mm. Um, 
because you know that's the market like you say it has to be in HMV it has to be on the shelves and it has to be advertised and that's where the you know the indie games don't really you know they, they don't have the money to advertise they don't have the money to you know pay a PR agent to make sure that they're in the sun and the mirror and you know no, metro I guess, and stuff I guess, like that I guess I mean the indie games that are actually getting publishers behind them is, is what I mean but yeah well yeah exactly I mean I mean that's the sort of stuff that I'm looking myself I'm looking to pick up so yeah. I've been you know I've been a developer I've been at E3 and I'm looking around for games that I can I can pick up to, to you know we've all, I've already I'm already in negotiations, as they say, for the second game, and that was um, that was a game that is a, is basically an indie game that is an indie game that should be branded as a as a kids game because it's that sort of fun sort of thing. I mean, you've got loads of stuff like you know we would describe something as Overcooked uh, as a, as an indie game, um, but that's still very popular with with kids and families as well. So there yeah. there is some you know there is some stuff coming through. And that, that's a prime example, like the sort of game I play with my family, and and the sort of game that, that as you say, works better in couch co-op. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I know Overcooked Two is out today, the day that we're recording. Like, and there's it's getting kind of a lot of interest. So I'm quietly hoping that one does quite well. Going back to another point you made earlier about how, yeah, PlayLink, the advantage is you already have your phone because getting five other PlayStation Four controllers costs you know fifty quid a pop. The problem. With the family, with with getting the consoles into the family market, I guess is that I, I wonder if the hardware is still too expensive. As you said, like with you know, the the Wii, the PS2, the DS, the time, the the point where those those sales really started to rocket, or at least kind of got another shot in the arm, was when they were lowered to that kind of magic one fifty, one hundred, maybe even ninety nine mark, only a ninety pound mark. Um, I mean, I remember yeah, you know, like the really slimline PS2s you used to get. Like the Wii was was so cheap after a couple of years but looking at playstation 4 and xbox one and i grant you i haven't been you know shopping for a new one recently because i obviously have one <laughs> but they still i think they still go for at least 250 300 each and the playstation 4 is has been selling for 250 with a game and i think you were able to get it on black friday last year for 199 right. um so it's been going down and you know and you know the i'm i'm pretty now I don't have any insider knowledge, but we're at that point in the life cycle, you know, and the this the sales are, you know, I think have peaked for PlayStation Four. We're off, mm. you know, it's in the air that there's there must be a price cut, you know, in the offing, you know, it's just how these things work. And so I don't I don't have any knowledge of that, but if you look at the history of when price cuts have been introduced previously for the console generations were actually probably a little bit behind but that's because they've been selling loads of playstation 4s and people have been buying them so um yeah i'm 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 pretty sure we'll get a price cut relatively soon and that'll help me in the in the family market so yeah looking forward to it <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting like the, the the platform holders are very much kind of pushed towards in terms of the the hardware iterations pushed towards like you know the the ps4 pro the xbox one x the 4k 5 you know, 5k super duper hd very much targeting that core audience or the you know the, the technology evangelist who has a, like a ridiculously expensive telly on their wall and I know PlayStation did the like the PlayStation. There, there was a slimmer PlayStation Four out there, but we've not really heard much about how well that's sold, and they've not really seemed to have pushed that. The the the, the direction seems to have been going towards right. Let's get let's upsell people. Let's upsell current customers rather than 
than slimming down our console to reach new customers. Well, you've had you've had the PS4 slim for quite a while now, and that must yeah. you know that must be cheaper for them to manufacture because that's yeah. that's how the life cycle works. We, we we rarely see that marketed, or or I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just haven't been as as aware of it, but it doesn't seem to be as as big a push for them. Well, you know, you know that you you know that well, yeah, you know that this summer it, it or the last six months it's been nearly impossible to buy a PS Pro. In the UK, yeah. because they've um, they've been selling, you know, probably didn't make them fast enough. And then you've had <laughs> things like you've had things like God of War. Like I, I, like I was trying to buy a PS Pro when God of War came out, and they just had the God of War PS Pro pack. They didn't have any others. It was sold out, which is really interesting. It's quite annoying. I went on holiday to uh, Portugal, and they had PlayStation Pro, but I didn't want to buy a Portuguese one. <laughs> Take it back through customs. Um, so that you know, obviously, that's great for Sony and great for the games industry if they're selling out consoles. Um, I think the Slim's just the standard PS4, and they're just getting them out there, and people are buying them. They're doing, I mean, 80 million, 80 million plus plus sales is fantastic. It's a massive audience. It's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not something to be sniffed at. I, I, I think I'm just, I, maybe it hasn't seemed as conscious an effort to reach out to that family, but maybe, as you say, that's that's kind of what we're building up to. I mean, I, I remember the. the the times when Nintendo had like all those kind of celebrity adverts with like Julie Walters and Patrick Stewart playing on their DS. Like, I wonder if we're going to get to that stage again. Yeah. Well, I can't, like I say, I can't speak for, I can't speak to Sony, but, um, you know, it, it, it's obvious that we're moving into that, you know, Sony have been publicly stating, you know, they want to get to a hundred million, they want to get to a hundred million consoles and, 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 you know, they're doing things like encouraging us to make PlayLink games. And I think they did a, yeah, I, th- I think PlayLink is a really good example of of that reaching that mass market and how they're going to do that. And I know I know they're going to do you know they're obviously going to push it for this Christmas as well because there's a you know I think there were seven games that announced at E3, which is more than last year. Um, so they're obviously pushing it as a thing, and it's been you know pretty successful for them. And that's where they see a lot of the mass market stuff going. And it's the equivalent of when we had Buzz and SingStar for the PlayStation 2 and the PlayStation 3. It, you know, it comes along in that later part of the life cycle. So they are doing stuff. Um, and also, you know, maybe, you know, can you, you know, can you remember what happened last Christmas, James? You know, it's, <laughs> you know the, big, the big period, you know, the big period for this sort of mass market stuff is, um, you know, Gamescom onwards, isn't it? So, you yeah. know, you'll, you, I think you'll see a lot of stuff at Gamescom. Um about you know an announcement, I'm sure. Like I say again, I don't, I don't I don't know anything. It's just my knowledge of the games industry. That's the you know that's where all the you know the Christmas mass market you know anything gets announced up and up until Christmas, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I do. I do hope it like the, the family market grows um, again because I, I, whenever it's thing, whenever you have things that are a success like SingStar, iToy, Buzz, Guitar Hero, Wii Sports, that's always when you start getting like kind of the more positive stories about the industry for you know, in the mainstream media, um, <laughs> and it just gives it. it, it it highlights that we are more than just here's a load of games about killing and death and shooting and gore and violence. Like, you know, games are and have always been about a lot more than that. And the family market has always been the one to kind of to to emphasize that. But with the family market shrinking over the last few years, we've kind of lost that perception, I think. Yeah. I th- well, yeah. I mean, people are, you know, looking at Fortnite and uh, on all this yeah. kind of stuff, which are you know, all the kids, which is hip with the kids at the moment. Um, I think, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's a positive PR, you know, more PR comes out from the games companies. 
Um, I mean, suppose you've got a lot of like the Wii Fit and all that kind of stuff. You're like, yeah, you can use your game game console for good, and you can lose weight and, and stuff like that. It was all very very positive PR. I mean, I think if you look at something like, <laughs> I shouldn't go on about my game too much, but you know, my game's it's a, a word game. It's about spelling. You know, you could argue that that's teaching people how to spell, and you can play it in different languages and learn French and stuff like that. So. You know, maybe that's my angle, James. Maybe you've just come up with my. Uh, maybe you've helped me with my marketing campaign, and I really need to push on the educational thing. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe. But it's it's interesting. One of my friends, um, I won't say the say the game, but one of my friends the other day was talking about how he just released a, a kids game on. And I think a lot of people know this, but it's really good advice if if you don't know this. He'd released a, a kids game based on a, a very well known branded character on the iTunes App Store. For iOS, you released this game and it was it was doing okay. You know, maybe you would expect it to do more because it was based on a branded character. Uh, and it was in. He pointed. He looked at it and realised it was in the game section. They changed it to the education section, <laughs> and it suddenly took off. So, ba- yeah. so basically, you know, parents want stuff that is at least. It's like when we all got bought computers in the early 80s when we told our parents that, uh, that we wanted it for educational purposes when really we just wanted to play, uh, play Codemasters games or whatever. Um, oh yeah, mum, I'm going to use it to learn programming or I'm going to use it to become a, an artist. Um, you know, tell the parents it's educational or buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that is the secret. Um, brilliant. Simon, thank you so much for your time today. That's fantastic. Excellent. All right. Nice to talk to you. And um, um, where, can we, where can we find a little bit more about Thumb Food? So we've got thumbfood.com, new website on the way. And Word Hunters um, is on there and will be out in November. Fantastic. Um, well, best of luck with that. I, I certainly enjoyed it when I played. I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on it again. In the meantime, if you want to listen back to our previous episodes, they're all on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Player FM, all various different podcasting platforms. You can find all of your news, analysis, and insight into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Thank you.